Hello, I'm Brian Bolio, CEO and Chief Economist of ITR Economics. Thank you very much for joining us for the next hour meeting. Uh, I appreciate the additional questions uh, to answer. As promised, uh, here they are, and you obviously found them on our website. So we're just gonna go through the questions and um, do my best to answer them. First one is, um, I believe you said that 2030 was going to be an economic cliff. Are you still seeing this? The short answer is yes, we are still seeing that. Nothing has changed to take it off the table. In fact, COVID and the uh, stimulus, uh, stemming from COVID really have increased the odds of what we're seeing in the form of uh, even bigger government debt, uh, even more inflation in the second half of this decade the current administration more likely to be uh, spending money on uh, healthcare at an unsustainable pace. I, you know, there's some systemic changes that need to be made that no one's really talking about. So yes, we still have that 2030-ish uh, um, falling into a, a very deep recession. We call it a depression. Uh, just don't get hung up on 2030. You know, it could come a little sooner, it could come a little bit later. The, the point is, theoretically, that's when it's going to start, and you need to be around that area, uh, that time frame, prepared for what you're going to be doing. Uh, you called out Illinois decrease in population and other states' opportunities with population growth. What are some of the types of opportunities in a state with a population decreasing? Well, it's going to be the, the, it's decreasing because uh, millennials, by and large, and Gen Xers, uh, younger Gen Xers are leaving. So the opportunities will be focusing on that part of the generational spectrum that's going to be staying there in the uh, service work that they are going to need. It'll largely be uh, in working class neighborhoods and in, in probably the poorer neighborhoods also. Uh, those are gonna be the prime neighborhoods and that'll be the prime demographic. Uh, there will still be people there for you to find the work from, uh, but you're gonna to have to focus on reaching that demographic and that population base. In what ways do you see artificial intelligence and minimum wage affecting future labor markets? Artificial intelligence is actually gonna create jobs uh, very, uh, high-skilled technical positions. So in terms of labor markets, it's going to be pulling people in that direction away from trades. And minimum wage, if it's scaled in slowly over time, uh, it doesn't have a shock effect within the economy, which is good, but it still will cause a general rise in uh, union wages. Union wages are by and large tied to minimum wage. So as that minimum wage goes up, so will those union wages. And I'm not sure what that's going to do to uh, non-union shops that are trying to compete for that labor. I imagine you're going to have to be raising uh, wages also just to compete in that, uh, in that space for that skilled labor. It won't do much for retail labor that's already averaging $17.79. So it's really going to be in the skilled trades, I think, that we're going to see the biggest uh, distorting impact. What kind of multiples are we seeing in our industry? Um, this answer, uh, I 
I think you should really ask Jack, uh, but in our pre-event chat, he was telling me that uh, 10 and 12 times uh, were current multiples, which is obviously crazy good and by and large not sustainable. Uh, next question. Lower prices have escalated. Housing prices and housing sales have continued to rise. How many years do you see the demand for housing rise? Um, I see the demand for housing generally rise strongly um, through 2023, probably 2024. Then it'll likely take a pause and then come back less strongly on the other side of 2026 or even the first half of 2027, then you'll get another rise for a couple of years before we go into that economic cliff that the first question referred to. Lumber prices, by the way, are, I mean, they're out of sight, the, the way that they are going up. That rocket ride is going to be ameliorated uh, as supply chains uh, open up. Um, it certainly can't sustain this pace. Uh, they're still going to stay very elevated. It's still going to be impacting margins, but we won't be on this rocket ride to the uh, stratosphere prices. It just won't be sustained, and the markets will adjust. Multiples and PE ratios are very high. Uh, when do you see them coming down? I think in your particular space, if that's uh, what you're asking about, it really won't come down for at least a couple of years. Uh, in general, PE ratios and multiples get compressed. Uh, and by that, I mean, uh, when I say multiple compression, I'm saying instead of 10 to 12, you'll go to five to six, then you get to three to four. The more inflation there is out there in the general economy, that tends to compress multiples because it makes the cost of money go up and therefore the purchaser uh, reflects that in the, the multiples that they're offering. So inflation is not gonna be our friend in that regard, but inflation is not imminent. Um, we're at 1.7 or 1.9% today. The Federal Reserve will allow three, three and a half percent before they react to it. And that's not really enough to change the nature of the multiples. So again, we're talking about post 2024, probably before um, we see a big shift uh, in the current Jubilee period we're in. How will migration affect the population and economy over the next 10 years? I think uh, the migratory patterns that I showed you are going to remain in place and you'll see the delta between thriving states and states that have very high tax structures and uh, an increasing inability to afford their social services really start to um, create a gap between the have and the have not states. Uh, there's a more subtle answer though in that uh, if you look at Washington and Oregon, which were relatively dark green on my map, you know, if you, the more recent data suggests that um, that inflow is beginning to taper off because of the cost of living uh, to be found in Seattle and Oregon. In fact, the Seattle area is uh, proving to be a pretty fertile ground for trying to recruit people, young people. Um, you can make a very nice living and have lived like a king compared to in Tennessee, let's say, compared to what you have to experience in Washington. 
it's going to make life difficult for the likes of New York, New Jersey, et cetera, who find that uh, increasingly they're going to be raising taxes more than others need to be raising taxes on a per capita basis. For investing in our future wealth, what is your opinion on cryptocurrency? And I'll read the other part of that question after. Uh, my opinion of cryptocurrency is that it is not a form of investing in future wealth. Cryptocurrency is something you should do with some extra money. You know, the money that you are investing for your wealth, for most people, you want some level of security attached to it. Um, and if you're very secure, you go with, you know, bonds, which I don't suggest most people do. Or you go to stocks and or real estate and commodities, a whole host of alternative investments. I wouldn't even put cryptocurrency as an alternative investment because it's not really a good store of value. And because although it's very popular, the it's called beta, the um, the beta, the uh, the gyrations, the uh, volatility, that's the word I'm looking for, is just too high for most people to tolerate. But if you're young and you have a long time frame ahead of you and you have some fun money that you want to play with, then yeah, play and, and, and go with it. Some cryptocurrency is more stable than others like uh, Theta and that has a more industrial application than Bitcoin, which is more transactional application. But I don't, I'm not a long-term believer in any of the current cryptocurrencies because for a country like the United States or China for that matter, and China's already made this very clear and the US has also, to allow private cryptocurrency to dominate within the economy means that they are willing to give up their sovereign right to monetary policy. They won't be controlling how much money is out there it makes it a lot more difficult to stimulate the economy when they want to stimulate it. That makes it a lot more difficult to control interest rates. And I don't think they're going to tolerate it. Should we accept it as a form of payment now, which is the second question? That's entirely up to you. If people are offering to pay you in Bitcoin and you're willing to accept the volatility of it all. Yeah, why not? I won't. Um, because of my age, I, I just don't want to go with that volatility. I know what the value of the dollar is going to be in uh, four or five years. I have no idea what the value of that particular cryptocurrency that you're talking about is going to be in four or five years. It could be stratospheric and it could be worth nothing by then. And I just don't want to take that risk personally. But there are plenty of others who are willing to, who are swearing by it. And they tend to be appreciably younger than me. So that's our questions. I, again, thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you for attending the next hour meeting. And um, it's a great organization. We've seen some amazing development over the years and we look forward to the future with you. Take care of yourselves.